Well, good people, thanks for following along on this journey. Believe it or not, this is the last night of the Camino for us. We are sitting here at our albergue, and right when we said, let's sit down and record this, the farmer next door has gotten on a tractor and has activated every farmyard animal you can imagine. This donkey started, a donkey literally started doing noise. The dog started going mental. So there could be some sort of rural soundtracks happening in here. But we're going to do the best we can in this episode, our final night on the Camino. I'm going to do an interview with your boy, Nate J. Tyson, about the primal path, the gap year, and also the Camino. So stay tuned, folks. It is actually really hard to believe that it is the final night tonight. We have hiked 400 and 88 miles across Spain or so and tomorrow we're going to make it into uh, the main area the main church where the Camino journey officially enters we're going to get the certificate that says we've done it too praise God we've earned it and uh, something else is actually happening tomorrow we're heading to uh, what we are calling Finisterre but that's not its technical name but that's the name that has been called by us on this Camino and it is actually tomorrow night the final closing ceremony rite of passage for the primal path six years in the making so nate what is happening tomorrow night um so tomorrow night um running into the beach in the water at a finestre as i've spelled it because i don't know how to pronounce the place um but yeah just it's the culmination of tomorrow and tomorrow's the culmination of the primal path and just everything that dad and i have been working for for six years in discipleship so yeah well when nate started the primal path it started with him running into the ocean uh out in brooklyn and it was sort of like a baptism into this journey into manhood and then i had on that day this vision of nate running into the ocean at the end of the camino so I just want to say there's great power in the long game and actually having a vision and sticking with it over the course of time. So in many ways, I can't believe myself uh, that this is a conclusion of a journey of not just Nate's journey in the primal path, but my journey of trying to be an intentional father for the last six years. So Nate, question for you, uh, why is this significant to you? Why is tomorrow and this ceremony significant to you? Um, This process, or well, tomorrow, especially significant to me because it's been six years in the making of just intentional discipleship um of, of discipline of learning what it means to be good at being a man um not just like learning what a man is but actually putting those tools into practice and and using them in everyday life um and it's been constant as for the past six years i cannot remember a single time where it was not every day especially if i didn't want to do it where i was woken up um yeah and so it's just the culmination of all the hard work and, and intentionality that dad and I um, together have poured into this or dad has poured into me really. Um, yeah. Okay. So just to uh, let the folks who are listening along, uh, they've seen the hashtag, they've followed along on Instagram, stuff like that. But what um, would you say God has done in you or in your heart and life over the last six years? What's a, a few things that you've seen develop? Um. The things that um, came to my mind first um, was just a new was a, just a new appreciation and desire um, for particularly men like living on fire for the kingdom um, because if you look at Jesus' example in the Bible he 
was good at being a man and good at being a godly man because he's literally the son of God. So, (laughs) yeah, and just the perfect embodiment of what men could be um, and just learn to strive after that and just um, and just really have an appreciation for um, like prophetic words, learning to love worship are some of the things that's particularly just God has done personally in my heart. Um, And going on the world race gap year that I came back from before this trip, um, he consistently and constantly pushed me towards him. Um, and his kingdom, um, and just that just helped mold me into the man I am today. Okay, what are your some of the key takeaways from our journey together? So we've been at this six long years. That's kind of crazy. And uh, what are some of those takeaways that you've got? Um, some of the key takeaways um, is just um, that it takes intentionality, um, discipline, and learning not to just live for myself, but live with a greater vision and calling than my own desires and particularly that it's that it's not always easy that it's not a I wake up the next day it's not like I was 13 yesterday and somehow I blinked and I'm here um but it was every single day making not every day because there are good days and bad days but there was an intentionality behind every day um or I hope there was of trying to of trying to to grow and become become good at being a man and trying to just live in that um and it just means I now have the tools and knowledge to fall back on um, in times of trouble, just to, how to seek wisdom for myself um, and just being intentionally poured into for six years just does something incredible because now dad and I have an awesome relationship um, and I really don't have words to describe how grateful I am for all that that's done because I look at um, just some of the guys around me who haven't had this intentionality and just there's a stark contrast between their relationship with their fathers and mine and just how it not only blossomed, but um, just like, it's, it's just really good now. Yeah. Sweet. In what ways do you think the, uh, the primal path has equipped you for the journey ahead? So tomorrow is the, it's the, the final <laughs> ceremony. And uh, after that, it's going to be a time of transition. You're going off to college. In what ways do you think uh, that you are prepared? Yeah. Um, the primal path equipped me um, for the journey ahead. It just, it's helping me to learn and understand um, my weaknesses and, and areas where I need to grow. Um, this means that I know or I, I learn where I struggle um, and where I need to learn and put discipline first and that I can do that while utilizing my strengths um, and just trying to overall just better myself. Um, and it's helped me to rely on God more completely and just learn to seek him before all else. And like I said earlier, it's just teaching me where to find wisdom instead of just trying to go it alone okay folks that's just a little bit of a recap of the last six-year journey um if you're following me along on instagram i'll post a little bit of footage about our final day but uh thank you for sharing your heart man i appreciate it next we're going to jump into a few questions about the gap year i've had a ton of folks ask uh, not just my vision of what the gap year is but what it is that you got out of it so we're going to take a quick break and then jump back in with some questions about the gap year Well, one of the questions I get asked a lot is about uh, the gap year and why I think it's important uh, for young people to take a gap year. Uh, I believe that um, just rushing kids straight from high school into college um, actually does a disservice to them. I think you need to sort of disrupt their educational flow with some real life experience. 
I think it's important to give them some liminal space where they uh, learn to sort of self-actualize a little bit, get away from home, go see the world, uh, explore themselves in different circumstances and situations to see what's in them. And so I've, I have always felt it was important uh, for Nate to get away and to spend a year sort of going around the world as a part of the Primal Path. So Nate, uh, you've just come back uh, a month, about six weeks ago actually, a couple of weeks before we, or 10 days before we went on uh, the Camino here. Tell me from your perspective, what was the gap year? What is it that you actually did? A lot of folks, um, some folks followed you on social media, saw what you were up to, but just explain a little bit about what you did on your gap year. Yeah, so um, the gap year was a nine-month mission trip to uh, four different countries. I went to Swaziland for three months, Nepal for one, India for two months, and then Guatemala ending in three for three months. Um, and our main goal was um, ministry. We would just go to these different countries, and we would um, just serve in whatever our host um, wanted us to do. But the main goal or mission was just to spread God's love and kingdom um, to the places that we were in. Um, and I was one of 45 other people. Okay, sweet. Uh, which organization did you go with? Um, Adventures and Missions. Okay, so I, I actually had a vision of designing a gap year myself. Like my original vision was having 11 countries where Nate spent one month doing an internship with 11 of my friends around the world. And then someone came to me and said, hey man, there's an organization that does that and they take care of all the details. And that sounded like a good deal. Let people do what they are good at. So that was how I uh, dis- discovered about uh, Adventures in Missions. We looked at YWAM for a bit, but felt like this offered the kind of experience we were looking for. From your experience, um, how was it helpful, the importance of going in a gap year before you rushed straight into college? Um, it was helpful because it just gave me a new perspective on, um, on brokenness in the world, um, particularly in the third world countries that we were in. Um, and how God uses that brokenness in our humanity and, and lives to show his never-ending love and compassion. Um, that it's never always easy, but that he's right there beside us all the time. It taught me how to pursue and follow him, even when I felt like I was completely lost everywhere else. Um, and it just taught me how to have, again, more compassion um, for people. Um, okay, specifically, how, are anything that you're sort of taking away from it, some stuff that you thought was particularly helpful? Um, particularly helpful in Swaziland. Um, so... As most of you guys know, um, we live in New York City, um, and that kind of, the New Yorker is not pictured as a compassionate, loving, or like even open-hearted to complete strangers. Um, The the phrase arrogant New Yorker is real. Um, Yeah, and I I had that really broken out of me, um, particularly in Swaziland, because one of our ministries was just go talk to people, and then eventually talk to them about Christ, and just like, just spread his love around. Um, And that really just broke through that, that shell. And I, I just gained a new appreciation for what people went through and their stories. And actually I just, I enjoy like hearing about people's stories now. Okay. So broke some of your selfishness off, some of your self-absorption. Have you got a favorite moment or story, um, from the gap year? Um, yeah. So our last day of ministry in Switzerland, I think was one of the moments that stuck with me the most. Um, so this is our first country that we were in, um, the end of three months and we were working at a care point, um, which is basically, um, a little, it's a school designed to, um, give, um, the amount of kids, however many there are at least in the community, at least one meal a day. Um, and we were just in charge of just playing with the kids, like just helping them with homework and all of that. Um, and the last day of ministry, um, was the graduation, um, for every single student. Um, so they were all dressed up. They were all, <clears throat> they were all, um, just 
with their parents and and it and it was amazing. We just got to see them and, and spend our last day um, celebrating them, um, and just we we got to eat with them. We got to we had to um, just treat them to to some snacks from the store down the down the street and um and at the end all of these uh, little kids who who had just been such a huge part of our lives for the past three months each gave us letters and um and pictures and stuff that they had drawn and just going over moments that they that they um that they loved being with us um and, and I still have those letters and and stuff back home I think uh, one of my goals in the gap year was to to quite irreparably break your heart for the global poor and uh, we've grown up in a position of such privilege in one of the greatest cities in history living right in the middle of it and uh I'm, I'm glad to hear that that exposure broke to the heart would you recommend it is it did you feel like forced into it or would you recommend this was this in general a good experience for you yeah it, it was amazing um i would say regardless of how hard it was it was an experience incomparable um to any other it brought me and my faith to such new levels and coming back home i i now have a community of brothers and sisters that i that i love and stay in touch with still and and probably will for the rest of my life and it's just these experiences just changed me to the core um just gave me a new appreciation for for everything a new appreciation for everything a parent's greatest hope a new appreciation for everything well thanks so much for sharing about that um i encourage you to look at that um, ministry get online poke around their videos uh, there's a couple of our really good ones on promo videos on youtube that sort of explain the difference between uh, the world race the gap year and what that sort of stuff is but thanks for sharing that mate last thing we're going to do after this is come back and talk about our experience on the camino Well, as I mentioned, we are sitting here in our room at the Albergue, and this is the last night. Tomorrow we walk just over 12 miles to the church, and uh, then that is the end of the Camino. So it's kind of crazy to be on the last night. I've got to be honest with you, the Camino has been the most immersive thing I've ever been a part of. I mean, it feels like a suspension of normal life and time. And it, it, like my other life, which is my real life, feels so far away and so distant. I mean, it's just the physicality, uh, the repetitiveness, um, you, you, you're having so many conversations, so many experiences. It's, it's like a year in a month. It's actually been extraordinary. So I've really enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, I, one, of, one of the things I've always tried to do, if uh, you're familiar with the book, The Power of Moments, they have a thing that says, beware of the soul-sucking voice of reasonableness. And when it came to uh, closing out the primal path and doing a proper debrief of both the gap year and everything we've covered, yeah, we could have gone hiking for two days uh, in Pennsylvania and had a weekend. But And that would have been great. That would have been a noble effort. But I was like, I want to do something extraordinary to close out this extraordinary journey. So we've put 30, it will end up being 34 days total uh, into the Camino. So Nay, from your perspective, what has been the most challenging thing about the Camino? Um, for me, it's been using my time well. Um, whether it's walking or stopped or staying at the hostel, there's, there just seems to be a lot of time to just fill with things. Um, and I can either do that by pissing away and just listening to music or just randomly letting thoughts go through my head, or I can pour in time into audiobooks and, and things that are going to fill me with wisdom, um, and things that I can actually use when I get back home from the Aquino, 
or just at a hostel stopped and instead of staying on my phone for a million hours, just uh, using it in, as a tool instead of a crutch. Yes, a tool instead of a crutch. We tried to uh, take minimal uh, technology along with us, but, you know, of all the devices you need to communicate, it's the phone, and of all the traps that exist in modern life, it's the phone. So I appreciate that little insight there. If I have my time again, I actually don't even think I'd bring my phone. I brought it primarily um, to do this podcast and to take photos, but I think I'd bring a, a small camera and an iPad and upload the photos to it and do it that way. That's just a little pro tip there, my perspective. Second question, a couple of memories that you that have stood out for you uh, as we're getting ready to shut the Camino down. Um, the biggest one that I can think of was the first day. Um, from St. John to Rontsville was this just the Pyrenees mountain range, which we scaled. And it was hellish to say it gently. Um, it was pretty much six hours of vertical. It was just atrocious. And then, um, and then the, I think the last downhill was the one that stuck out to me because dad and I were at the end of where like, I have nothing left in the tank. And it's like three more miles of this again, hellish downhill slope. And we're just like, we got this, we got this. Is that uphill? Go, go. And then, and then that relief and, and joy of just getting to Ronson for the first time. Yeah, I got to tell you, uh, I've had a couple of friends who've done the Camino, and I don't know if this, if I'm breaking some secret rule here. I, I don't know if there's something that says, never tell people that day one is going to make them them to quit. But I, I, nobody prepared me for day one. So if you're doing the Camino, I'm telling you. Day one, you have to do it. Make sure you start at Saint Jean. But I'm telling you, you got it. You got to prepare for it. It was absolutely brutal. Um, do you have any any other memories that stood out to you? Like anything else that you think uh, has has stood out? Um, when Dad tweaked his back um, and just deciding to, however much I did not want to, to just carry the mantle um, and keep and go for um, from. I don't remember exactly where it was. It was from some. It was from Los Arcos to Lagronio, and then from Lagronio to Nahara. Um, the it was 18 and 17 miles consecutively, um, and just getting up at 3:45 in the morning, heading out by at least four, um, and just pressing on and in living up to that expectation was was a big moment for me because before um, the gap year and before. Before the Camino, I would have just pissed and whined the, about any prospect of walking 500 miles in 33 days. Um, and it was really just self-fulfilling and just re- and really encouraging to me to see that the things that I had been taught had not been wasted and that I'd lived up to the expectations. Yeah, I got to tell you, I mean, <clears throat> so a lot of people, you know, and I've tried to post sort of like the highlights of the Camino on Instagram. But I want a lot of people said like, it must be really nice walking through the country. And I'm like, here's what I want you to do. Wait till it's 90 degrees, put 30 pounds on your back and walk 18 miles up and down the hills. I mean, it's brutally hard. So uh, when Nate went out on his own, uh, and it's also just so you know, when you leave that early, which we felt like we had to beat the heat, it's terrifying. You are out. Nobody else is there. You're in another country. You're in the middle of nowhere, just the countryside. And uh, it can actually be, you know, scary. So I was super proud of you. You went out and did that. I just, uh, for accountability's sake, 
100% when I get back to New York, I will go out and do an 18 mile and a 17 mile completion walk. And I will uh, I will post on Instagram me banging those out. I'm a finisher. And uh, I wanted to make sure I got those in. Okay, uh, just last question here about the Camino. Do you plan on making your son walk the Camino as payback for me making you walk the Camino? <laughs> oh yeah, this is this is going to be a Tyson Tyson male legacy. This is this is how the the primal path culminates with with future generations of Tyson men. Um, yeah, because um, it, it just it's pushed me physically, mentally, and spiritually, and just it really helps to lean on, really helps you to reflect and lean on the tools that you've been given because you don't really have a choice otherwise. It's that or you're going home. Yeah. So, yes, the Tyson men are walking the Camino for generations. Okay, so you may not uh, you may not do this when you're journeying with your son, but I want to encourage you, beware of the soul-sucking voice of reasonableness and do something, do something great to close it out. It has honestly been one of the greatest experiences of my life. We have so many insider jokes we have so many funny so many funny memories just stuff that you only get by spending a month together doing really hard things so uh it's been great so nate uh thanks so much for being willing to share a few thoughts any closing words of advice to our listeners don't stay in the public albergues people will be like you're not getting the full camino experience it's so much more worth it to get a private room it's so much better that's the pro trip po nothing left (laughs) that's all i got folks thanks so much for listening along nate uh thanks for sharing your heart a little bit we're going to close out uh this episode there's only going to be one more episode uh which will be back when i'm in new york giving my deep uh reflections theological and practical on the camino uh but we're going to close out this episode with some more questions from some listeners Hey, John and A, it's Alex from Vancouver, BC. I've really enjoyed following along with your guys' journey through social media and the podcast. Without getting into too much detail, my question is, how can a 20-something-year-old guy like myself who doesn't have a dad become a man of consequence in the world? Is there a collection of books I should be reading or any practices I can do on my own to mature in faith and character? I really want to be a great man, husband, father, and follower of Jesus, but find myself getting lost and not really having any indication of how to get on the path I feel called to go down all the best guys and uh happy trails bye well alex may i just want to take a moment to say thanks so much for uh listening along and uh having the courage to just reach out put yourself out there i respect that and uh sorry to hear about the absence of a father in your life and um here's a couple of thoughts i have number one obviously you know you need to roll into a spiritual family be super committed in the church community um, to me, people treat the church so casually, uh, but Jesus says that the church is is the true family, and uh, I'm sure that you're doing this already, but not just looking for friends who are your age and community around you, but for those relying on those older people, um, that to me is huge, but that's just my introduction. Here's my main thoughts. Number one, uh, one, one of the things I've learned in this process, and I have felt God speak to me about Uh, several times is the fact that you have a heavenly father who is absolutely committed to loving you and forming you into the image of his son and he is better than any earthly father and if you pay attention to that you will see that that is the primary call of our lives learning to see what the father is doing 
And this is the thing that um, was central to Jesus' heart and ministry. Now, that's easy to say, but to make that the great pursuit of your life is the key. The goal of life is to be renewed in the image of our creator. It's to take on the characteristics of Jesus. That's your destiny. So my advice is never leave the Gospels. Look at the way Jesus uh, interacts with the Father and then ask for that Abba cry, that spirit of adoption that's in your heart to become the central groan and cry of your life. Let that word come from the deepest part of your spirit. Father, you have a father. He's good. He knows you. He loves you. Psalm 139, he cares for you. So get that rightly ordered. Uh, make that the obsession of your heart, loving and learning from the Father. Uh, another thing I think in terms of um, growing in, in godliness and manliness, it's getting some brothers around you, going after it together. Create environments of godly male formation. Pray, explore, study, serve together. But intentionally try and build that band of brothers. I mean, uh, the role of friendship, we, we rarely talk about friendship uh, in the world today. We so much talk about sex, so much talk about family, rarely friendship. And I would encourage you to proactively lead out and try and bring a few men into your life and consciously create things, you know, create these environments, invite people into it. Just resolve that you do it. Don't be easily offended if, if people don't respond to it. But just commit that you'll be someone who creates these environments and builds that um, brotherhood. Uh, getting a mentor if one's available, uh, you know, one of the worst things. If, if someone emails me and says, I'd love to get together and prick, pick your brain, I never want to meet with that person. That sounds completely transactional. You've got information in your head. I'd like to extract it. And I always am more interested in if someone says to me, um, you know, I've observed this about your life. Would you be willing to, to share some insights about it? So be careful about your language, but proactively reach out to older men that you see have characteristics uh, that you would love to sort of grow and get that vision sort of like a council of spiritual dads where you lean on the older men in your community. And um, I'm very, very willing to sit down when young men ask, hey, can I just grab a lunch or a coffee and talk about this one thing? And I think you'd be surprised at how much older men are willing to sort of step up and share that wisdom. Uh, in terms of practical resources, I like the Order of Man podcast. I don't know if you've if seen that website or what uh, that guy's working on, but there's some good stuff in there. And obviously the art of manliness is a really fun website. And uh, I've pulled a ton of stuff from that and integrated it into the primal path, just tons of articles and stuff. So go after the Abercry man. You have a father. He loves you. And lastly, um, you know, some people, their lives are defined by being the son of someone. That they have a legacy that's been handed to them, but other people have to start a new legacy and they're known as the fathers of. So if you're not the son of someone, just resolve in your heart, you'll be the father of, like Abraham, the father of a new nation. Just resolve uh, in your heart by God's grace that it will start with you. Set your eyes on Jesus. Just go after it, mate. But hopefully there's a few practical thoughts for you. Peace. Hi, John. It's Laura Young, a listener in Staten Island. Two questions for you. The first one, I was wondering if in the biblical accounts of Jesus' relationship with Joseph and Mary, I was wondering if there were any aspects of it that were particularly helpful to you, especially I'm thinking like the finding in the temple or the wedding at Cana. And second question, I was wondering how um, what you've 
found helpful in conveying to Nate that he's his own unique individual with his own unique calling from God and his own unique thoughts and feelings. Um, you talked about transitioning to an adult um, relationship with him. And over the years, how have you been able to uh, communicate that to him? And how can fathers uh, distinguish, help the sons distinguish themselves from their fathers. Hey, Laura, thanks for listening in. And uh, you have snuck two questions in. So I'll try and uh, answer both of them quickly. Uh, one account that's inspired me from the Gospels are Luke 2, 51, 52. And it says this, Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And it says, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And I think this is absolutely an extraordinary verse of development and formation. Jesus had to grow in wisdom, and he had to grow physically, and then he grows in favor with God. What does that even mean? And in favor with people. So to me, you see the development, the formation of Jesus, the Son of God on earth, having to go through this process. So that's always been sort of my my framework. How do I help my son grow in wisdom? How do I help direct his physical development as he goes through these tumultuous years? Then how do I help him grow in favor with God, learn about his true heavenly father, own his faith, and then grow in uh, influence with other people? So all the skills and characteristics that are attended to that. So that would be the verse that I think has most shaped my understanding of what Jesus went through as a teenager, and I think it provides a pretty good model. Second thing you talked about, which was about actually, um, is about self-actualization. How does a man become his own man in the world? Well, my goal has basically been to dam the brokenness and release the blessings from my life and lay a foundation for Nate to build on. I think that there's like minimum standards that we're called to impart into the lives of our kids, uh, fathers into their sons in particular, in this case. But then what you're wanting to do is give them the tools to to go out and grow and build and discover themselves. So I'm all about uh, a young man owning an inheritance, but then building on that. And uh, so you've got to let, you know, help kids figure out their own preferences, talk through what they're learning, never freak out, always ask, tell me more about it, let them disagree with you, help them understand logically how they develop their own convictions. And uh, one of the things I always did was to try and help, and they, I would say this all the time, one day you will be a man standing before God in the world on your own. It's just going to be you. And I'm here to support you in whatever ways I can, but you have to be your own man. You have to own these things. And uh, so I've sown that vision into him uh, from when he was young, and it's a joy to see him sort of live into that and own that now. So a couple of quick thoughts. Thanks for listening in. What's up, boys? Um, Tom here. I've been tuning into you guys' journey from Uganda, but I am based out of Portland, and I've just loved to track with the Primal Path stuff from both you and John Mark. Um, But it's raised some thoughts. I am now 20 years old, and my father passed away when I was in grade school. Um, But I have two younger brothers, one who just turned 15 and one who just turned 18. Um, And I was just wondering if you might have any wisdom or guidance as to how I could be intentional um, with them in these formative years. I realize I'm late to the party, and I haven't been on the primal path track with them since they were 13. But... Um, I'm just looking to be proactive with the time that I have left. I think something like the Camino could be really cool 
but I haven't laid that groundwork for the past six years. So yeah, I just wanted to get your thoughts and insights. Thanks. Hey Tom, thanks so much for sending a question in, mate. And uh, man, I'm sorry to hear about the passing of your father. That is heavy, man, in grade school in particular. I'm sure that's left a real void. And uh, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, I do want to congratulate you and just let you know how much I respect you stepping into just a role of leadership and influence in your brother's lives. Even to have a heart to do that is huge, mate. And uh, so way to go. Um, look, man, don't worry about the primal path six years laying your foundation. Just use what, what time you have, man. You're not late to the party just you, you, your heart and you said the key word intentionality, man, that's all you need. So just, you know, show them proactive love, reach out, communicate that they matter and value in your life. Be thoughtful, take an interest in what interests them, be a voice of encouragement in their life, cover them with prayer. And, uh, you know, maybe one thing I would do is encourage you guys to sort of start new family traditions as brothers, uh, include them in it, help make it meaningful you know, so maybe you map out a year and you, you figure out ways where you guys create new traditions that sort of mark out your family. And, um, you know, we have so many cultural opportunities to do this, but just impute meaning. That's one of the privileges of being an image bearer is that we make meaning. So impute meaning into rituals and traditions and uh, bring them into it. And I think that can become sort of a, a new rhythm that really influences them. Uh, yeah, and then, man, the idea of taking trips, they don't have to be 30-day monsters, man. Just, you know, taking people out, taking them out for a movie, having a monthly time where you just get together and talk. Um, you know, there's so many ways that you can just step into their life and just be proactive, listen a lot, those sorts of things. So, you know, I would I would start by praying and then I would invite them into sort of like a deeper sense of connection and then explore these things together. And if you can pull off something like man nights, which is what Nate and I did weekly, if you can pull off something where you just study something together, you may start by like reading a book. And even if it's uh, like an online chat weekly or whatever, there's so many things you can do, but just, I would encourage you just be proactive, start something and uh, sort of let it get momentum over time. And um, again, man, major respect for you willing to, to sort of step up and even having a heart to do it. You're not late, man. You're not late. Just step into it and you'd be amazed at what God will do. So bless you. Grace and peace, mate. And uh, just, I'll be praying um, even tonight as I do a little meditative walk around this town. I'll just be praying God will give you wisdom and grace and uh, open your brother's hearts to it. So peace, mate. And lastly, just to close out this episode, Paul has sent in a beautiful prayer and benediction. So I'm going to let him read that over us as we go. Grace and peace, folks. Hey, John and Nate. Um, this is Paul Vasilko from Minnesota in the U.S. of A. And in church this morning, we sang a modified version of the prayer of St. Patrick, and it made me think of you. And so here's a benediction for you today. I rise today, God's strength guiding me, God's might sustaining me. God's wisdom directing me, God's eye looking before me, God's ear listening to me, God's word speaking for me, God's hand protecting me, the way of God stretching out before me, the hosts of God guarding me against the snares of the demons, against the temptings of my evil desires, against the evil inclination of my will, 
against everyone who plots against me, and near or afar, alone or in multitude. God's grace and peace to you, my friends. Journey well.